Hello, Discernible Podcast listeners. Great to have you on board. I thought I'd give you a bit of background to the conversation you're about to listen to with uh, Mike Ricard, who described himself uh, as having a communist ideology. He's a business owner from here in Melbourne, and we've been talking a lot about Marxism, communism, socialism. Uh, we also talked about secular humanism. We've talked, uh, we're going to talk about Christianity, basically all the worldviews and ideologies. And the whole point of this is to try and figure out the why. So many people focus focus on talking about the what, what's going on, and the police did this, and the government did this, and people did this. I want to know why. That's what I'm curious about. And it's clear to me that the the way we think, the ideologies, the perspectives, the beliefs that we have behind what we do, behind the what, so the why, drives all of our actions. Now, this this was an interesting one because uh, I found this business owner, it's very hard to find a business owner who believes that they're communist or believes that the future is in communism. Uh, it seems like a contradiction, uh, but uh, having having a long chat with him, which you're about to listen to, uh, looking back on it, I find it qu- <clears throat> quite a challenge to think of him as a communist, uh, as a as a classical liberal myself, in the sense of um, classical liberalism, you know, natural rights and free markets and the responsibility of each person and the autonomy of each person and each, the agency of the individual and and uh, um, tolerance and letting people. Um, live their lives, they're all the same principles that Mike was telling me he believes in, but somehow he's uh, labeled it as communism. So I'm, I'm a little bit confused by the whole thing, but I tell you what, if you're up for a bit of a, a, a cerebral podcast where we talk about and challenge views, then this is the one for you. It goes for about an hour and 15, and we talk about things like um, what would a communist world look like? And and of course, there's a bit of criticism of capitalism, as you'd expect. And uh, overall, look, I enjoyed it. I hope you enjoy hearing views from lots of different sides. And in the future, I think we're going to have people from trying my best to get uh, some politicians on that aren't all from the sa- singing from the same hymn book. So uh, enjoy this one, and I'll see you uh, in the next episode. Karl Marx is becoming more and more popular on university campuses nowadays, especially in the US. He said back around 1850 that their ends can be attained only by the forcible overthrow of all existing social conditions. Marxism um, has really developed into a whole bunch of things in terms of communism and so on, or at least that's the way we understand it. And uh, it, it appears to me that this tendency for young people in our universities to want to overthrow existing power structures uh, makes sense when you delve into the Communist Manifesto, into the uh, the um, feelings of Karl Marx and the people before him and the people who have come after him. I'm excited today to talk to someone who uh, is a business owner here in Melbourne, doing some really cool things with wine, which I find quite fascinating. Uh, Mike Ricard. Mike Ricard is not only a business owner, he is a communist. Well, these terms we're throwing around are pretty loose right now. I'm sure he's going to give us a bit of an education on them. But he's a self-described communist. And from the discussions I've had with him, uh, he does not see a uh, an incompatibility between communism and Karl Marx's ideas and business and individual freedom and individual property rights. This I am fascinated to hear about. So, Mike, Ricard, thank you for joining me on the Discernible Interviews. Matt, it's a pleasure to uh, pleasure to be with you. All right, so I've thrown up a lot in the intro, and thank you for not just tearing it apart straight away because I know that those terms, you know, you've said to me 
what really is communism, what is socialism, what is Marxism. And the most interesting thing I think I've found about you so far in our conversation is that you said, I'm not talking about those silly experiments in, in the USSR or in Cuba, because these are the main things we associate right from what, from Lenin and Trotsky who rolled it out in the USSR onwards uh, and then Stalin and Cuba and China, Mao and whatever. So what are you, what are you talking about here? What am I talking about in terms of um, when you say that? I see that's not that's right. That's not real communism, and you know that was a poor. Yeah, why should I not call that communism? Well, because communism isn't um, isn't a system of government. I mean, you can't. Communism isn't something that you impose from the top down or something that you all of a sudden decide that you have. Communism is something that you know capitalism evolves into if it doesn't sort of destroy itself. So, I mean, the, the whole idea of even like describing me as a communist, like, sure, I mean, I, I believe that, you know, the eventual communism I think that we'll end up in sounds like, you know, sounds like, like a good idea. Like, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't really regret that we'll end up there, but I also don't think that there is really a whole lot that can be done. You, there are things that can be done to bring it about faster or slower or things like that. But it's not something that you really impose upon people, just like capitalism was never imposed upon people, just like feudalism was never imposed upon people. You know, trying to impose something like this upon people always just results in just, yeah, basically failure. Um, I think maybe Lenin and Trotsky had some reasonable ideas of what they wanted to do, but I think they were incredibly misguided in thinking that they could do it, you know, least of all in, you know, the Soviet Union. All right, so maybe first of all, I should apologise for calling you a communist. Maybe it's similar. No, it's fine. If, you, if you called me a capitalist, maybe I should say it this way. Uh, perhaps you you have communist ideas, uh, but I'm intrigued. Certainly. I'm intrigued to uh, what you just said about they were misguided. Lenin and Trotsky, the way mm. in the Karl Marx quote I read about um, the forcible overthrow of existing social conditions. Do you do you not subscribe to that? Um. No, I don't really. Um, I believe that there might at some point, well, just, just like, okay, so let's think about how, how capitalism came about, right? Now, I mean, capitalism didn't come about because at some point, you know, we woke up and we said, okay, we're, we're capitalist. Now, we don't have feudalism anymore. We have capitalism now, you know, marketing your diary. Today's, today's you know, from now on, it's capitalism. That didn't happen. There, there were a few key things uh, events that we can think of as like where there was like a bit more of a wave, you know, for example, um, the American Revolution or their war for independence, um, the French Revolution, uh, signing of the Magna Carta, a few things like that. Um, so you can say, oh, these were things that, you know, pulled away from feudalism and pushed towards um, capitalism. In fact, for example, what happened in the USSR um, in, was it 1916 that they had their revolution? Um, the first, um, so the, the revolution you're thinking of with Lenin and Trotsky and all of that. Yeah, in, in I mean, there, the something. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 yeah. Was, that was really, yeah, that really should have been a capitalist revolution. I mean, because that was a feudal country. That wasn't a capitalist country at all. I mean, so that was a feudal country. And in fact, a pretty backward feudal country. It wasn't even a very advanced feudal economy. Um, so what they actually were trying to do there is have a capitalist revolution, you know, get rid of the czar, get rid of the serfdom and all of that, and, you know, move on from that. And um, then instead of moving on to um, onto, uh, capitalism, some people said, hey, why don't we just jump straight forward to this new uh, communism thing I've heard about? It sounds even better. And um, that's basically what they tried to do, completely ignoring a lot of the stuff that Marx said about the um, important role that um, capitalism has 
in, uh, in basically advancing humanity forward. You know, they basically ignored that and just went, hey, why don't we just have, you know, this, this communism stuff? And uh, that was a bad idea. And obviously they tried to force it upon people and it didn't, uh, didn't work out. That's kind of how are, I see that. Are you saying that capitalism is a prerequisite for communism? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it is it is one of the epochs that we have to go through, you know, just like feudalism is a prerequisite for capitalism, just like slavery is a prerequisite for feudalism, just like, you know, the written word and, you know, having some kind of surplus value is a prerequisite for slavery. All of those things are, um, are prerequisites for one another, you know, so therefore, essentially, in each society or, or people who are thinking forward in each society are basically, um, they're a critique, they're critical of the society they're in now. So if you were, if I was to say, ask, if you were to ask me like, what is a communist in, um, in today's age? It's someone who is critical of capital, uh, capitalism, who sees some of, the, some of the problems and who basically tries to address them. You know, first on a personal level within themselves, possibly, and then, you know, within their family, their smaller community. And that's basically as far as any of us really have influence in the end. Um, same as, you know, capitalists who existed in, you know, in feudalism, you know, people who are merchants and saying, hang on, I've got this economic power, but I don't have political power because I don't have a title. You know, it's, it's, it's passed down from father to son. I can't, I can't, you know, I can't get into this. Um, and they, that's why they ended up kind of overthrowing some of these things. And yeah, that, that's basically what I'm saying. So Mike is, because I have some real problems with capitalism as well. Are there mm -hmm. multiple ways multiple ideologies to be critical of capitalism or am i a communist basically um sure i mean uh like it, it depends on how you view an ideology um, my ideology is nothing but a combination of ideas mm -hmm. and then let's just say that i got rid of one of my ideas you know do i cease to have my ideology you know if you were to pick up one of mine do you now subscribe to mine. I mean, you know, there are plenty of different things to criticize in right. capitalism, in everything, you know, there are things to criticize in our country. There are things to criticize in, you know, how I lift weights at the gym. I mean, you know, none mm -hmm. of this really requires an ideology. It just requires an analysis okay. of a but you are, thing. So no, I yeah, wouldn't call you that. Okay. But you are saying that communism is a rebuke or a, you know, a reaction to the problems with capitalism. Are there other rebukes? besides communism or is it the main one actually maybe maybe that's no 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 so the way i view communism actually um yeah i suppose communists are critical of it mm -hmm. of capitalism but i think that communism is basically what capitalism eventually evolves inevitably evolves into um either that or it destroys itself you know just like any other society you know it either evolves or it dies um, and societies have died before, you know, Bronze Age societies have died yep. off, and, you know, plenty of times this has happened. Um, so it's by no means guaranteed that, you know, we get there. I think oftentimes maybe people view um, socialism more as a critique of capitalism, because socialism is generally the way I view it. People have different interpretations of this, which is why these words don't really mean as much as they maybe, you know, as, 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 as much as people ascribe meaning to them. Right. But socialism is more a critique of capitalism, in my opinion. Socialism is basically saying, hey, look, this capitalism thing, I like it. You know, it's good. We can, we can keep going like this forever. However, let's make it a little bit better. Let's make it a little bit less painful. Let's maybe have you know, universal healthcare, let's have, you know, slightly, you know, let's have, you know, fairer distribution of wealth. Let's maybe, you know, have, um, 
most, I suppose you could say public ownership of certain, you know, larger industries and things like that. I mean, that's basically what a socialist would say, like, oh, look, I like capitalism. I just want to, I just want to tweak a little bit. I want to change a few things. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you talk to a hardcore capitalist, they're like, oh my God, these are fundamental things that you want to change. This is, this is all, we can't have this, but it's like, yeah, okay. But I mean, you, you still have your system, you know, you still have fundamentally capitalism. You still have the most important thing about capitalism, which is that basically capital is the thing that decides whether you get to control private property or not. Okay. And so this is, yeah. And so what you've just described, this socialism, that's the, that's Mm. what we see in the world today. If you're to look at the, the critique of capitalism, that would be more common, right? Because I I don't come across communist ideas very often. No, because I mean, communist ideas are really, um, so, so, so communism, honestly, for me, is basically where capitalism ends up. Yeah. And if you view yourself as a communist, then you are trying to live as close to this evolution as you can. You are trying to just be a little bit ahead of the curve, essentially. You know, things are going there anyway. You're just kind of trying to live as though you're kind of there, you know, just like if you're a capitalist living in a feudal society, you know, you would go, well, I don't want to be a serf. I want to, I want to be a bit more free than that. You know, so I'm going to be a merchant or I'm going to be a tradesman or something like that. You know, so like you try, you, 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 you try and pull away and have this. And I think that's what communists do. I mean, in capitalism, you know, we just try to have slightly different lives. Okay. So if this is where, if this is where we're going from capitalism to communism, Mm. what is it going to look, what is our world going to look like? When we get there, can you describe it? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, like, uh, like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what it looks like when you fully get there. I mean, like, not, not even all of the world currently is an all capitalist. You know, the entire world is capitalist. There are still, you know, feudal economies in certain mm-hmm. places. Um, they, it's not as though at one point we're going to say, okay, now we're in communism. It's, it's slowly going to get there. Okay. But the major difference for me is um, what determines whether you control like whether someone controls means of production or not in capitalism what determines whether you control means of production is whether you can buy that you know what determines whether i can have ownership of a factory or of a company or of a you know you know a hundred shares of amazon what determines that right whether i'm whether i have the money to buy it whether i have the capital right Whereas I think what we're going to get to in communism is what determines whether you're going to control means of production or not, is whether you have the willingness and the ability to actually control these means of production. You know, whether you are willing to take responsibility for them, you know, that is going to be the difference. Because, and the the reason why there's going to be this break is because eventually you're going to get to a point in capitalism where the wealth is so concentrated and i don't mean money like you could print more money i mean like the actual means of production are concentrated in just a small number of hands and basically anybody else who wants to also control means of production will just not be able to get in and there will be this little little sphere of people who do control means of production and this giant group of people who don't at the moment you've kind of got something similar but most of those people who don't control means of production don't really want to control means of production you know virtually none of them do um so and you've just got a you've just got just enough mobility for the few who do which is why things are kind of still going all right but you are going to get to a point where there are people going to, that are going to say look i am willing ready and able i want to control means of production i want to be free i want my labor to belong to me and i'm just not going to be able to have that 
because the well the, the means of production will be concentrated in such a way and then we'll have to say okay we're going to have to distribute these means of production in a slightly different way we're going to have to distribute them to people who actually want to take responsibility for them and not to the people who just have the money to actually have the capital you know, that is, okay. that is the difference that is, and, and this requires a massive paradigm shift. Um, this is hard to even kind of comprehend in our current system because you go, oh no, but capital means of production, it's one and the same, right? Well, no, it's not. Capital is the way that you acquire means of production. The means of production are the thing that's actually producing. And that's the difference. That, that is what the society looks like. Okay. Well, if you look at our society today, a lot of the, I'm thinking of a few things that would confirm what you're telling me, such as the concentration of wealth we all know about, but the concentration of uh, into big business, you know, Amazon and all the little businesses are squashed and Amazon's going gangbusters. Uh, mm -hmm. And we see this all the time. But even when I think about someone like Elon Musk, who has acquired all the capital in the world, you know, he's the richest man on and off fighting with Jeff Bezos. He has a very strange, I used to work for him. Um, he has a strange... Wow. Uh, yeah, met him once. He, he has a strange way of saying he wants to give away all his money and wants to own nothing. And so in my mind, he's more what you're talking about. He's got all the power, control, the means of production, the capital, but he doesn't want mm -hmm. it. But yeah. if you look at someone who's opposite, who doesn't have the capital, but does want to control the means of production, who is that person? Are you talking about like an AOC or someone you elect who is benevolent? No. No, she doesn't want to control means of production. She like has she has she ever tried to has she ever tried to actually, you know, take control of her own work? Has she like she was a bartender, right? Did she ever try to own a bar? Did she ever try and be a stakeholder in that bar and basically say, Hey, look, for example, this sounds ridiculous, but this would be what AOC would do if she wanted that. She would walk into the bar and she'll say, Hey, I want to work for you as a bartender, whatever. Um, but I don't wish to be paid a wage. I wish to be paid a share of the profits. And I also wish to contribute to a share of the losses. That's what I want. So if we make money, I make money. If we lose money, I lose money. And I want to work in this place. That is what she would do. I mean, but who we the would fuck consider that, does that? <laughs> we would consider that a capitalist type arrangement though. Yeah, you would. But no, no, but like, sure, you can consider it whatever you want, but that is what I'm talking about. I mean, I'm talking about a situation where you take responsibility for production. And you say, I am going to be responsible and I'm going to, to be responsible means you bear the consequences and the consequences can be positive and the consequences can be negative. As a worker, you don't bear the consequences. You get right. paid to be there. You don't really get paid for your work. The thing is, you won't be there unless your employer is making more money out of you than he gives to you. Yes. Well, if I employ someone, you know, if I employ someone to pay them $30 an hour, whatever, yeah. you know, unless they're making me $40 an hour, that person doesn't have a job. Yes. <laughs> so like, no matter how happy this person is with this arrangement, that is basically an employer-employee arrangement. If someone came to me and said, hey, Mike, I'll work for you. Um, but you know what, like, give me a cut of, you know, the, you know, the product you sell or whatever, then, you know, and also if we make, you know, but also I will chip in for marketing and all of these things, then I'll go, yeah, absolutely. Like that, that is, a, that is someone whom I would want to employ in that sense. You, okay. You'd be you up know? for that. Okay. Oh, hundred percent. And yeah, is absolutely. that how I, I, is that how you run no. your business or, or plan to expand it in that way? More of a group ownership? That's how I run my business right now. Um, okay. No one's come forward with a proposal to me yet. Yeah. But if they do, I would be very happy to hear them out. Absolutely. Um, I believe that me as a business owner and someone who does control means of production and someone who does have some private property, mm. um, I believe that if someone wants to share 
that private property with me, but also wants to share in the responsibility of it. I believe that they, that I, I should, I should share it with them. You know, of course, you know, maybe for a nominal price or something, or maybe they buy in and buy in, in some other way. I mean, I'm not going to just gift it randomly because then how do I know that if they actually want to participate or not? But well, that was yeah, my next absolutely. question is whether you're going to charge someone to take, because you've built it over X period of time, say a year. Uh, yeah, you would have to charge them to buy equity, say they buy 40%. But now I'm a bit confused because it's all sounding very capitalist and free market. They come along, they buy equity, they take on that level of responsibility and reward. How is that any different to what we have now? Well, there's a difference. Um, I, If someone came forward and said, look, I really want... To, um, I really want to own a part of your business, but I simply mm-hmm. do not have the capital to buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would try and find a way to organize that. You know, whether that would be essentially, you know, me, you know, they're, they're maybe getting a, getting a small share mm-hmm. or something like that. And maybe, you know, like, or, 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 getting, or getting a larger share, but, you know, only getting a percentage of the profits of that share. So for example, I don't know, I give them 10%, but they only get 5% of the returns or something like that. I mean, there is something that we could figure out. So you give it a, would, you're giving it away then? You're effectively giving them 5 or 10% for free? Sure, but they're working for the business. They have okay, to contribute. You, do you pay them a wage or know that they contribute as part of their No, they, they get a share of the profits. Okay, gotcha. Which possibly means that, you know, at the beginning, they might be working for what they would deem below minimum wage. You know, God knows. I mean, they might, they might be working for nothing. I mean, if the, if the business isn't making a profit, they might be working for nothing. You know, you have to work. I mean, but you, you also can, you could trade your work for ownership of private property. I'm just saying that at one point, we are going to get to a point in this capitalist society where you cannot trade your work for private property. There will just be no way to do it. And the only way to actually continue without just some kind of massive break is going to be to reassign it in one way or another. You know, and, and people who have all the private property will have to basically decide, okay, I'm going to have to give, give this up. And people like Elon Musk, look, if you want to ask me who the, who the real communists are or the people who are actually pro-communism or whatever in this world, it's not, you know, AOC and whatever. It's, you know, people like me who own a business. It's people like Elon Musk. It's people like, do you know who uh, Robert Kiyosaki is? Yeah. yeah. He wrote uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah, yeah, guys like him. You know, like he's, you know, he, he's someone that I got a lot of my ideas from, you know, that like you read Rich Dad Poor Dad or you read Cash Recorder, that's a straight up communist book. I mean, you know, like, but essentially it's all about taking responsibility. It's about taking responsibility for the means of production. And that, that's what all, and, and that's basically what, you know, someone with a communist ideology should be doing. Like when you ask me like, oh, is it, you know, is it incompatible? Yeah. Um, you know, having a communist ideology with owning a business. No, as a matter of fact, like, you know, if you do have, if you do believe um, in this eventual, you know, in this eventual communism, then it is your responsibility to take control of means of production as much as you possibly can. Um, and, 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 and taking control of means of production, the responsibility for it, I mean, is not about seizing it. You know, anyone can seize private property. It's about, taking it and being responsible for it and actually making it productive. You know, most of the time what, you know, socialists and so forth want to do is they want to seize private property, turn it into personal property and then redistribute it. What the hell's the the point of that? (laughs) The communist manifesto calls for that explicitly, not, not to transfer it into personal property, but to, you know, as I just read that quote, well, let me just read another one quickly from Marx when he says, sure. 
there is this is from the communist manifesto there is only one way in which the murderous death agonies of the old society so the capitalist society and the bloody birth throes of the new society whatever that is i'll ask you in a minute can be shortened simplified and concentrated and that way is revolutionary terror so he is calling for this uprising and overthrow he says it's required um, and, mm. you know, he had predecessors before him, like Charles Fourier, who had different ideas. And Karl Marx said, no, you guys are not practical enough. This is how we practically need to overthrow the bourgeoisie, have a dictatorship of the proletariat. Um, but you're telling me that's you, you don't agree with that. Yeah, no, that's that's not that's not a very good idea. Um, I think Marx, look, I mean, Communist Manifesto is probably the work of Marx that I got the least out of. Um, I probably got the most out of, um, look, I never really read Capital cover to cover because it's pretty dense reading. I mean, I've more sort of like, you know, read other works that were based on it, you know, that mm-hmm. I got a lot out of that. And I also, another book that's really, really interesting is um, this one's nominally Friedrich Engels that wrote it, but actually Marx helped him a lot, is um, The Origin of the Family, Private Property and the State. Mm-hmm. And that basically, you know, helps you really understand sort of like, you know, this, this evolution and like, you know, where things came from you know, not just sort of where they might be going. Um, that's what I kind of got the most out of. Communist Manifesto, I think Communist Manifesto basically was written at a, towards the end of his life. Um, it was really just kind of like there was this kind of fervor for overthrowing capitalism because you have to kind of bear in mind the context he was in. Um, this was a time when absolute monarchies were still the norm. Mm. Um, you didn't just have capitalists running things, you know, you still had absolute monarchy. Um, there was one nominally democratic country in the world, and that was the United States, um, which was a very young country. And also that country was barely democratic back then. I mean, you know, you were only able to vote if you were a landowner, they had slavery for God's sake. I mean, you know, so that, that was, you know, that, that, that was like very much an experiment back then. I mean, that was people kind of trying to figure things out and that was very much only elites being able to vote anyway. So it's like, yeah, you got rid of hereditary monarchy, but you kind of, you know, essentially put in a nobility of your own. So he basically just thought, well, the only way we're going to get rid of this is, you know, through revolution, you know, people are going to want to let go of this. Um, that could still happen. I mean, you could end up in this situation where there is this just such extreme polarization and, you know, the people who have all the private property or have all the means of production just refuse to let go. And then well, what the hell are you supposed to do? I mean, like, yeah, I suppose, you know, it could lead to violence, just like lots of situations where, you know, push comes to shove can lead to violence. Well, it did um, in Cuba and uh, USSR yeah. and China. Mao Absolutely. Did it. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like, that's uh, sure. I mean, but that, that wasn't them trying to achieve communism. I mean, maybe it was. I mean, like, but that wasn't really them trying to achieve communism. That was them basically just saying, look, we don't like this regime. We're going to have a different one. I mean, you, you, get, you get this in places all the time. I mean, it doesn't you matter what like, they call themselves. Well, you sound like Hayek in The Road to Serfdom when he said that the communism claims to be going towards like a distributed ownership, you know, communal ownership, but really it's just as oppressive as an autocracy. Cause you, you, you and I, I'm more a libertarian, I would say capitalist libertarian business type guy. I think we have a lot more in common you and me than I would with an AOC, Bernie Sanders or, or a real socialist. And this is why I find it confusing that you would call yourself. I can find it confusing why you would call what your thoughts communist thoughts mm. or communist ideas when if we look at the birth of communism and then the expressions of it post-Marx you don't agree with any of that or the, or the techniques 
and I'm struggling to understand how what you're describing to me is communism. When you describe workers who come in and buy a part of your business or work work off their initial purchase, to me, you're describing a libertarian utopia where I don't have to pay a wage, but people come on board and and um, you know build with me in a very risk reward way like work hard get a reward don't work don't get anything it sounds very libertarian open maybe 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 that's the label you choose to ascribe to it i mean that's certainly not the label that that i ascribe to it but then again i mean i do i do agree with a lot of things that libertarians tend to say um the thing the thing that i the thing that i don't kind of agree i mean look honestly i mean this communist society that i talk about i mean this Mm. is a fairly libertarian society in and of itself a lot of the things that libertarians like would be you know hallmarks of this society like for example you know libertarians like small government there's very little rolling role for government in a communist society um you know outside of like i don't know i mean just some 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 larger organizational things that require you know the understanding of like you know how this city relates to this city and things like that i mean you know so building a road or you know maybe like maybe like organizing shipping. I don't know. I mean, like, like big things, you know, that kind of, you know, require like a large kind of oversight. Mm. That's basically the role for government. Um, you know, police start to really, because, you know, in a, in a communist society, sort of like economic crimes don't really make a lot of sense. Um, you basically have police to essentially just, you know, go after people who, you know, I don't know, kill someone because you know they hate them or you know like a man kills his wife or someone goes crazy and like shoots up a school whatever i mean like you know that that's basically or, or, or you know things like that like where basically people just kind of go a bit nuts you know you're and really what about other cri- what about other crimes so, so just on that you said it economic crimes don't make sense in a communist society mm. what do you mean yeah like, theft and stuff well why, why would you why would you steal something i mean what like well what 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 sense what sense does it make i mean if you if you are not if you are not basically bereft of you know any anything that you really need to survive and if you know everyone everyone everywhere is really excited to have you on board and you know help you contribute and help you you know self actualize yourself then what's yeah. what's the point of stealing like what does that what does that bring you like so, right now for me like what would be the point of me stealing something so did, okay so this I'm, yeah, okay so i'm trying to get a picture of this a communist society what it would look like mm. so when you say you have everything that you need that mm. bartender who came and wanted to have part of your bar, if they don't mm. perform well, they don't get reward. Or if your bar doesn't do well through no fault of their own, they don't get reward. So, so mm-hmm. are, is there a socialist part of this that you haven't told me about yet? Where you like a welfare part of it, where you to each according to their needs, that type of thing, where you give them stuff. Well, sure. I mean, I, like we, yeah, I guess you do. I mean, that's basically what you do now. I mean, you don't, you know, you don't let people. You don't really let people starve if people, even in our society right now in Australia, if, you know, people don't want to work for whatever reason. I mean, it's a fairly unhealthy person mentally who doesn't want to work, mm. um, but that can happen. You know, I guess they their survival is guaranteed. But the whole point is you want to, people naturally want to work. People mm. naturally want to contribute. People naturally want to feel useful. Um, this... The, the only way that this, uh, unless people like literally are born with a mental illness and they just, there's just some part missing, which is a very, very, very small number of people. Mm. Um, for the most part, this is a natural part of being human. 
you know, we all want this. Um, what you can do, and this often happens in our capitalist world, is you can basically dull this need. And you can dull this need by basically paying someone to do work and making them feel like that work being useful isn't what's important. What's important is that they're getting money for it. Just like, for example, you can turn a prostitute off sex by paying her for sex. You know, just like you can turn, you know, me off eating pizza by, you know, forcing me to eat pizza for money. You know, like you can, you can turn you me off something, but yeah, like, and basically if, if I need, and like, you know, of course, you know, if you told me, hey, you know, eat this pizza for money, I'd be like, man, that's weird. I'm not doing that. But if you're like, well, eat this pizza for money because you need this money to pay your rent, otherwise you'll get evicted. Well, then I'll eat the damn pizza. I mean, but even if I would normally maybe enjoy eating the pizza now, all of a sudden I'll resent it because I'd rather you just gave me the money. It didn't make me eat the pizza. I mean, you know, so essentially you just get into the situation where things that people should be pleasurable for people become painful because essentially your work is just otherized. You know, you don't, you no longer feel like a lot of people, you know, hate their jobs in our society right now. Why do they hate their jobs? You know, like, shouldn't their job by definition be something useful because it makes economic sense or whatever? No, because they feel like they're a cog in a small machine. And maybe they think, well, this company itself doesn't need to exist. The only reason it exists is because a product it sells people want to buy because they've been convinced by advertising that they need it. Mm -hmm. um, there's all sorts of garbage in this world that we don't actually want, but we buy it because, you know, we've been brainwashed into buying it. I mean, so that's the problem. I mean, so if you actually manage to get away from this and go you are working because working is something that you need to make your, to make your life complete right. and doing well at your job is something that will make you feel good. Um, then everyone will want to work and do well at their job. Um, and they will choose jobs that make sense for them. Um, and now in this society where everyone hates everything they do, we just sort of think, well, then nobody will want to be a garbage man. No one will want to be a waiter and whatever. Really? Why not? I mean, you know, if my street was dirty, uh, I would I would clean it, you know. If like if if my house is dirty, I clean it. I mean, because I I want to have a clean house, you know. We want to have a clean neighborhood, you know. People will be happy to do that job, you know. Maybe maybe you can take turns, whatever. Same as you know, being being a waiter, you know. If I'm being forced to be a waiter, I was a waiter for a long time in my life. Um, yeah, sure, I would resent it. But, you know, if I feel like I'm going there and serving great food to grateful people who are kind of like almost like guests in my home, sure, I would do that. Why not? I mean, they're, they're, it's, just, it's just a paradigm shift, you know, like lots of these jobs would change, but they wouldn't necessarily disappear. They would just change to be more fulfilling. So, so Mike, you're giving a very uh, noble and altruistic view of intentions of a population, mm -hmm. uh, which may be the case in you, but surely you would agree if you look around, you observe people. There are some people who wouldn't be like that. I mean, the profit motive is required for some people to work. I mean, I've got people I've known in my own family and extended family where without a profit motive, they won't work. They'll be lazy. Mm -hmm. So how are you sure of that? Everyone would be that noble and they would work for their self actualization or do some Absolutely. people need, are oh, you think? Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I mean, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but um, yeah, I, I absolutely do. Um, because if you have people in your life that are, or just like I do, I, I know people who are lazy. I've been lazy before, but yeah. that is because I was, uh, that is because what I was doing was not fulfilling. I was basically being forced to do something. You know, I was going to work because I needed money so I could pay rent. Yeah. Um, I wasn't going to work because I felt like I was respected at work, like I enjoyed seeing my workmates, like I enjoyed the work I was doing and I felt like the work I was doing was necessary and good for this yeah. world. Um, 
that's that's it. I mean, so yeah, absolutely. Um, if people are free to seek out the kind of work they want and they feel like they are actually, you know, part of this, like you know, if they actually feel like, oh yeah, I'm getting like I like like I, I am a part of this bar, or I'm a part of this company, or whatever. Yeah. Of course, I mean, you know, your motivation, you know, your motivation should be to just do as good a job as possible. You know, and yeah, sure, people are lazy, but people are only lazy because they're basically forced to do something. It's actually the profit motive that makes people lazy. And then you're in this endless cycle. So like, you know, the profit yeah. motive makes them only work for money and then you need money to get them out there. And you're like, oh, but you know, but if I give them social security, then they've already got some money and I need to give yeah. them even more money to make them work. So I don't want to give them more money. So I'll just take away the money they had. I mean, and yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just a fucking nightmare. I mean, you know, basically what, what you should actually want to do is as people grow up, you know, they should, that basic need that they have to work and to be useful should be nurtured. Um, as opposed to it basically, you know, being beaten down and leisure being the only thing that is that is enjoyable and work being a chore. I mean, do you remember growing up and like people describing your, your parents or my parents or whoever's parents describing, you know, doing the dishes or doing the vacuuming as chores? Why, why is it a chore? Why, why, is, why, why is it not contribution to your family? I mean, it, it's, just, it's just silly. I mean, my dad, as I was growing up, you know, paid me to wash dishes. I mean, how ridiculous is that? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm working for my family. I shouldn't need to be paid. I mean, yeah, he would give me like, like two bucks or five bucks or something every time I washed the dishes, you know, as a way of giving, as a way of sort of like funneling pocket money to me, you know, teaching me the value of work. But he didn't teach me the value of work. He basically just taught me, you know, the economic value of work. He didn't teach me that actually, you know, I'm a member of this family and contributing to that family is what I should want to do. You know, uh, like, anyway. Mike, what you're describing to me sound, I think, is quite beautiful in the sense that you're describing, mm. um, you know, a a motive to work, a self-actualization of of being rewarded in the work that you do, and all. Mm. That. I think that's stunning, and I, I agree with you, and and I that's I think where we all want to go, we should be, and uh, maybe we're not heading that way. But I want to know how you got to attribute that kind of a world, which to me sounds like a classical liberal utopia. Um, how did you get to attribute that to communism? Did you originally think you, did you start as a conservative and then move? Like what is your political evolution over time and how did you come to uh, land on um, communism? And this is, this is, this is how I describe my view is communism. How did you get to that point? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I look, I was born in, you know, what you would probably consider a communist country. Um, I was born in Yugoslavia. Mm-hmm. And um, you know what what was Yugoslavia back then, and while you know this wasn't an oppressive country to live in in any way, um, the one thing that was interesting was that um, it definitely like like definitely like okay so so th- this this is the big difference that people who grow up in the West. Um, Socialism, communism, all of that are just these kind of like bad words that are taught right. from a young age. Yes. Whereas you know for us we were kind of open to it. You know, like, you know, we were open to the idea of communism. And while the country we lived in wasn't really, you know, communist because nothing ever is, um, you know, it did definitely, you know, definitely, you know, Marxist teachings and stuff were more available and definitely not sort of vilified the way they are in the West. So, you know, my family was exposed to these things, you know, so they would read a lot of these things, you know, growing up. So moving into a capitalist country, you know, we were always 
and I was, you know, critical of the, of the system. I didn't view the capitalist society as the be all and end all or the way it has to be or the only alternative to like this, this dark, horrible, you know, communism of Eastern Europe and, you know, whatever. Um, How old were I you? Just sort of saw, I was nine when I moved here. Yeah. So I never viewed it that way. You know, I always, I was always able to view it critically and I was also able to view, you know, these, these things that happened in Eastern Europe critically as well and go, look, I mean, this is where this failed and that failed and whatever. So this analysis of, you know, what capitalism is and what, you know, Mm -hmm. communism should be and what have you was always just a part of me. And the reason why I describe this as communist is because I guess, you know, this is basically the, I, I guess this is what people used to describe it as, you know, this was just supposed to be an evolution of, of capitalism that some people believed had to be brought about by some kind of revolution. Um, some people believed that, you know, we would get there in some kind of peaceful way. Um, some people believe that you can just, um, cosmetically change things in capitalism and eventually, you know, you'll get your communism. That's what generally Soviets and the Chinese and that's generally what they believe. They're like, hey, let's just, you know, we'll have capitalism, but we'll just take yeah. some bits from communism that we think are at least feasible right now. We'll just slot them in and then eventually, you know, we will sort of change all of it, you know, like that, um, what's that example? Ship of Theseus, you know, like if you kind of change every part of a ship, is it still the same ship? Oh, um, I didn't know that's what it was called. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, is this ship a thesis? I think it is. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but that's, you know, so this whole idea of like, yeah, we will just change out bits of capitalism over time. And, you know, and the funny thing is, so like none of these countries, this is, this is an interesting point. Um, so, for example, the USSR, mm. the USSR never considered itself a communist country. It's really? literally the union of Soviet socialist republics. Right. The party in charge was the communist party. Right. But the country was not called communist, just like China. It's a People's Republic of China. It, it yes. considers itself to be a socialist country. With a communist party. Communist. Yeah. yeah. So basically, that's the whole idea. So basically, the communist party, a group of people who mm. happen to be in charge of the country, um, are that's trying not to basically... No, you say a group... No, it's you, not. So, yeah, because com- yeah, the end goal... They call themselves a communist party. You can call yourself whatever you want. Yeah, I and mean, if you but that's look what at, they call themselves. So you would agree with the end goal, even of Marx. I mean, I don't. You don't agree with a lot of Marx, right? But do you agree with the end goal, which is Marx posited after the violent revolutions and the destruction mm-hmm. of capitalism? After that comes this peaceful, uh, small government, communally owned uh, society. Yes, I do believe that that is what happens. But uh, the problem, the biggest issue that I have with Marx and even more so like like Marx I think I don't know I mean Marx I feel like got pushed a little bit into the communist manifesto I think a lot of what he wanted to do was just analyze capitalism in a lot of his earlier writings he actually made it quite clear that he found these speculations of what you know the future society will be quite frivolous and that you know this wasn't a particularly helpful thing to discuss what was important was to criticize capitalism and properly understand and understand you know where things go um but not you know fantasize about this and i mean i think because of this revolutionary zeal that was around at the time and this you know very very class structured society um i think you know this is where 
it all just kind of, you know, this seemed like this very wonderful idea in a very painful time. And I mean, people just wanted to kind of get there as soon as possible. Um, they, they, that's what these like utopian sort of, you know, communist utopian socialists kind of believe in. I don't think this is a painless society, this communism, by the way. I think, you know, it's still all the pain. I mean, like, you know, you still, you know, go up to a woman and you get rejected. I mean, like, you know, your business could still, you know, just not be what people want and it could fail and you could have struggles. I mean, like all sorts of things could, could happen. I mean, so you know, there's still free no... markets. You just described a market failure, a business failed. Of course there's market. a market. There's the, yeah, of course there's a market. There's always a market if there's surplus value. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, like, you know, there's Orthodox communism wouldn't have that though. Orthodox communism wouldn't have a, a free market with surplus value. It, it would be distributed according to needs and ability. It will be, it will be the, freest, the freest market we've ever had. I mean, what you, because the whole idea would be people would support not just a bit, like the, the idea is you will try and structure in a way where people supported the businesses and the products and the yep. podcasts that they truly wanted to, not the ones that, you know, had the money to advertise them and to them and brainwash them into supporting them, right? I mean, that's the thing. Like, I mean, and businesses would not want to do that. Businesses would, you know, basically want people to buy their, to, you know, consume their product or buy it, whatever, yeah. um, if those people truly wanted that product, because that's what you would want. Like your motivation would be, I want to create the best product I can so that the people who want this product can enjoy it. You know, I don't want to shove it down the throats of people who don't need it or don't want it, whatever. Um, that would be the motivations of basically communist businesses. But of course you don't have a market. I mean, like you, the idea of saying that you don't have a market is ludicrous. I mean, you'd have one no matter what, whether you want to or not. Um, so you're aware of, is, yeah, sorry, only problem. Well, the, the, only, the, only, the only thing is, I mean, the problem with a market is like, you know, making it truly free. Yeah. Um, that is what the aim would be in, um, in a communist marketplace. Um, and that is something that I would, you know, love to see, you know, evolve because, you know, we don't have a free market at all at the moment, you know, least of all in capitalist countries, you know, an informed, an informed market demands two things. Sorry, a free market demands two things, a level playing field and an informed, um, an informed consumer base, an informed population. Yeah. We actively fight against having both of these things. You know, we actively fight to, you know, advertising is all about currently or the way it is, not the way it maybe used to be. Mm. Advertising is all about misinforming the public. It's all about creating, you know, creating associ emotional associations, things like that. It's not about telling people your product exists. Um, and also a level playing field, you know, so that, you know, me, with my business can compete against, I don't know, Dan Murphy's, whatever, on a level playing field that people can go, hey, there's Dan Murphy's and there's Mike's business. You know, which one would I prefer? At the moment, they see Dan Murphy's goddamn everywhere and my business no one's even heard of. Okay, so how, do, mean, you bring that about? <laughs> how do you bring that about? So Dan Murphy's is everywhere because they have a lot of money, they do really well, they have low prices, they're winning in the market, right? They're, they're winning yeah. against your business. You, I mean... Don't mean to but be they're winning rude, because of their size. Their size, right? Now, so how would yeah, you? Yeah, they're not winning that, because they're better. Okay, so how do you fix it though? If you claim that you're just as good or better, how do you mm. squash? Do you, do you have a government that outlaws Dan Murphy's having more than X number of stores? How, how would you level the playing field? No, no, no. You don't have to outlaw them having having greater than an X number of stores. Like you know, having stores is fine. It's more just about 
inform like it, it's more about us having a system that informs the public about what is available in an honest way. And the only way this can really happen is if Dan Murphy's isn't motivated to crush my business. Where Dan Murphy's is, you know, wants to sell to people who want to buy from Dan Murphy's and does not want to sell to people who want to buy from me. That is the only way you get to this. And the only way you get to that point is if Dan Murphy's isn't isn't motivated by just making massive sales, that Dan Murphy's is motivated by making as many sales as possible, but only to the people who actually want their product. How do you that define- That is the way you do it. How do you get that group though? Because you said some people want to buy from Dan Murphy, some people want to buy from your mm. store. How do you yeah. even- how do you even generate that demand in the first place without having competition ads and that kind of thing? Well, well, ads are not, you don't have to have ads to have, to have competition. I mean, you, you, you don't, I mean, you can have, I mean, there are various ways you can do this. For example, you used to have the yellow pages. I mean, where basically just every single business is listed there and you could, you could, for example, give the, every business the same amount of space. I mean, that'll be one way. So, um, so just your, go, my yeah, store, look. my store, your store, Dan Murphy's all have equal placing in this new yellow pages, whatever form that is, virtual yellow pages. Sure. Just like you and I have the same placing in a phone book. You know, your name is not bigger than mine because you're more well-known than me. I mean, you know, we have so, the, like, you know, just like that. So how do you, how do you get, I'm, I'm practically, pragmatically, how do you get there? Because at the moment, if, if, you, I have a, a wine store. You have a wine store, and Dan Murphy has a wine mm-hmm. store, right? Sure. I have um, some people on Facebook that follow me, so I can tell them to come to my wine store, right? So I have a bit of an mm-hmm. advantage over you. Dan Murphy's sure. has a massive advantage over me because they have even mm-hmm. a massive following, millions of people. So, yep. how do you then enforce that we all, you, me, and Dan Murphy's all have equal space in the consumers' minds? How do you do it? You do it by actually wanting to do it. That, 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 is, that is the first way that you do it. If you don't want to do it, you won't do it. I mean, so Dan Murphy's has to want that. And I have to want that. And you have to want that. And you and I don't have to want that just because, you know, we are at a disadvantage. And when we are at an advantage, uh, when we are at an advantage, then we want to kind of look down on a little guy and shit on him. So that everyone has to have that attitude, or at least enough people do you know, maybe half or whatever, you know, that is, and like I said, I mean, you're not going to just get to this overnight, you know, this is something that yeah. will slowly evolve and you're seeing this, you know, you're seeing, you know, businesses realizing that, you know, by supporting each other, they can get more than competing against each other. You know, I'm doing, you know, collaborations and stuff with people because I feel like we can support each other, you know, like my business can grow and their business can grow. Why am I on, 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 on like, you know, you, you do things, you know, because you want people to succeed. You know, why am I on your show right now? I'm not even, yeah. you know, plugging my business. You know, I'm on here because, you know, you're a guy I met and I want to, I'm happy to have a chat to you, you know, like, and because I find this fulfilling, you know, like that is, that is why, you know, so Dan Murphy's might find it fulfilling to support a business like mine, because what their motivation is, is that people drink wine, you know, that they want to drink. And if they go, Hey, you know, you've got wine that people, want to drink that maybe don't want to drink the wine that's a, that's in my business um oh well of course you know I'm, I'm perfectly happy for you to have the same kind of screen time as me you know so that people can find out about it because you know what i want is for people to drink what they want to drink i don't want to dominate the marketplace and this is the whole point because if there was an easy solution to this then you would then communism wouldn't be inevitable you know, we could just, we just keep going, you know, we could just implement whatever solution I tell you in the podcast right now. Yeah. And, you know, you and I, you know, and then we could just implement that and just avoid, you know, communism altogether. But the point is that's not possible because at the moment, 
Dan Murphy's, you know, or, you know, Amazon or whatever, they get more money because they already have money. You know, I might, you might have heard the quote at one point, I forget who said this, but, you know, turning $10,000 into $11,000 is incredibly difficult. Yeah. Turning 10 million into or like 100 million into 110 million is inevitable, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like, yeah. it, it's, it's that whole idea. They dominate the marketplace because they already dominate the marketplace. This is what led to the capitalist revolution. Because it's like, well, you know, you, you, you have power because, you know, your father had power and your, his father before him and his father before him. Mm. You know, you are Lord, et cetera, et cetera. I can't get your title, you know, like, you know, it's tied so, to the land, it's tied to whatever. So, Mike, what, what do you think of uh, um, normal distributions? You know, statistically speaking, if you take a group of humans, they distribute across mm. a normal curve, outliers on either end, a majority in the middle. Um, hierarchies mm. form naturally in humanity. Some people are better than others at, say, running or speaking or whatever. Uh, and then you have people with disabilities, whatever, out, you know, all of that. So this distribution, this range of people, how... Because what you've described to me sounds really nice, but I don't say the Dan Murphy's Meister on your store example again. I'm not sure how you get them to be altruistic enough to give me one third market share, you one market, one third, and them one third. It'll probably end up more like they take four fifths and you and I split the one fifth. So how how do you account for that? That like you're telling me that everyone's going to be equally altruistic, but not everyone's uh, maybe. equally. Maybe they'll be equally altruistic, but they won't be equal in lots of other ways. I mean, just because people deserve to know that Dan Murphy's exists as much as they deserve to know that I exist, doesn't mean that I will have the same number of shoppers. You know, way more people might be interested in what they're selling than what I'm selling. Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't want to be that big. Maybe I just want to have one small wine shop in, I don't know, like Altona or something. Mm -hmm. Who cares? I mean, maybe that's all I want. Maybe that is fulfilling to me. You know, maybe that's what I'm looking for, but I want that one to, you know, reach the people of that. Maybe that's all I care about. Maybe the people that run Dan Murphy's want to have a lot more than that. And, you know, that, that's what they find fulfilling. You know, that, that's the whole point. The whole point is, I mean, I might, you know, like, yeah, that, 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 that's all it is, essentially, that you just, people are fulfilled by different amounts of things. Now, for example, like I, I enjoy, I enjoy going to the gym, right? Does this mean that I don't feel fulfilled when I see someone over there lifting more weight than me? Mm. No, because I don't really care. I mean, I'm, I'm there because I'm happy with the weight I'm lifting. But what if I was a power lifter? You know, what if my goal was to lift the most amount of weight? Then seeing someone next to me who's lifting more than me might motivate me. And I might go, oh, I want to lift even more. I want to lift more than that guy. I want to be the strongest guy. And, then that is, that, and, and, and the pursuit of that goal is what I find fulfilling. And then but if now- I manage to lift more the weight than him, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I'm with you. But now we're back to unequal uh, representation in the market. Like if Dan Murphy finds it fulfilling to have a thousand stores and you find it fulfilling to have one, well, now we're back to this unequal monopoly thing again. But that's 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 only a problem if they basically make my my one store just have no customers. Right. That that's the only problem. If if basically like nobody finds out about my store, especially if it's like an it's like an online store, because yeah, like basically they they just they're just drowning out the marketplace. I mean, if I find it fulfilling to have one, then that's okay. Um, as long as you know the people who want to come to my one know that my one exists. Okay. You know, that's okay. 
Um, and if they if they want more than that, then that's okay as well. I mean, you know, as long as they're willing to take responsibility for it, that's that's the thing that I always that I always come back to. You know, you need to be willing to actually take responsibility for what you are doing. Okay, why don't we define? Uh, let's just describe. You say the communist uh, world, whatever that looks like, is mm-hmm. is inevitable because sure. it's an evolution from the problems of capitalism, right? So I was going to yes. ask, what is required to bring it about? Would you say, because tradi- orthodox Marxism and, and communism is you need the violent uprising and the overthrow. Mm-hmm. You're saying that's not the case. Um, does, do, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Is there anything you feel needs to be done to get there or will it just happen over time? Yeah. I mean, what, what, needs to, what needs to happen is more and more people need to realize that in order to fulfill their needs, their hum- basic human needs, that they need to be free and that they need to, and in order to be free in a capitalist society, they need to control the means of production and sort of be their own boss, if you will. And the more people realize this, the more people will attempt to do that. But is this that a fait accompli or is, does something need to be done to usher this in? Yeah, it's already been done. It's already happened. So it's going to you happen know, no matter capitalism, what. Capitalism. Well, capital, it's already happening now. You know, you, you yeah. run your own business. Well, yeah. why, why do you do that? I mean, why don't you just go work for someone else? You used to. I mean, so did mm. I. You know, why did we decide to do this? Were we, you know, miserable in our old jobs because we were doing what we didn't want to do? Mm. I don't know about you. I wasn't. I mean, but I wanted to be free. I wanted to take control of the means of production and of my own means of production, be responsible for them. And I wanted to basically fulfill what I thought was my, was my duty in this world. And the more people, more and more people will think like that, because I think that if you're working for someone, if you're an employee, um, you always, you basically always have an unequal, um, you just, you just have by, by definition, you have an unequal relationship there. Um, and you will not be fulfilled. You know, you will always feel like, you know, you're working for someone, it's someone else's, it's not yours. You know, some people might be okay with it, but more and more people, the harsher and harsher capitalism becomes, the, le- the fewer, the more people will go, no, I want to have my own thing. And you can see this. You can see how many people want to be entrepreneurs online, whatever. You know, you can see that this is slowly increasing. It's still a very small number of people, you know, considering the whole, but it's going up. And why is it going up? It's going up because that is where fulfillment is to be found. And that is how you get to this communist society by enough people wanting this. Now, the only reason why you might require a a revolution is if you get to a point where people want to achieve this and it's just impossible because all the means of production are concentrated in one place. And at that point, you might have some kind of break. It could be a peaceful revolution. It could be, you know, reached by some kind of... I don't know, negotiations, political means, you know, buyouts, you know, a change in a monetary, th- monetary policy, you know, it could be all sorts of things. I mean, and it, and it could happen slowly. I mean, this isn't going to happen overnight. You know, people sort of think like, you know, we get to a point and bang, now we have communism. No, that's, that's not what happens. I mean, just like, you know, when the French Revolution happened, it didn't have capitalism the next day. In fact, they backslided. Backslid. Um, yeah, they had Napoleon who was supposed to be kind of like their secular leader and he basically became, you know, their god and their emperor and, you know, whatever. And then, you know, his descendants were emperors for a while until they finally managed to kick that. You know, same with England, same with lots of places. You know, it took so, a long time in the US. Mark, is there any, you're describing these different, con- you know, different periods in time for different countries. Mm. Is there any country in any period of time that is the closest to what you're describing? Um, yeah, probably the US. 
at I'd what say they're time? about they're, they're, right now. I mean, they're they're as close as they'll. Yeah, I mean, just the more time goes, basically every country is as close to communism as it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's like so. Yeah, I, th- I think the US is probably the closest. Okay, uh, let's maybe flesh some out. other countries that have. Yeah, yeah, so let's flesh it flesh it out. So I want to flesh out what because I think we've covered pretty well on your um, the the criticisms that you might have or that you're seeing of capitalism. I want to I want to go mm-hmm. beyond that to look at the communist society. Let's flesh that mm-hmm. out. So let me ask some questions about it. In the final for the final in the communist society, say in, in fifty to hundred mm-hmm. years from now, whatever, is there a government? Is there a government? No, I don't know. I mean, well, 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 like you'd you'd have to you'd have to define what a government is in that sense. I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't be something you would recognize today. But so, the, well, the, like, well, like, well, what would be what would be a government for you? So you're saying it's something we wouldn't we might not recognize. I mean, the traditional view of government is someone with the monopoly on power, the coercion power, the ability to do things like murder and kidnap and all these things. But they're all sanctioned because it's all via government rule. Whether that's a democratic government or an autocratic government doesn't matter. But they have a monopoly on the use of power. Um, I mean, you might. I mean, they're like it. It, it, dep- it depends. It depends on the way that society is structured. It depends on how local it is. You know, if it's still if it's still structured like countries, it's pretty unlikely that that will be the case by the time you mm-hmm. get there. Like countries will probably be fairly meaningless. Um, they will yep. probably be viewed more like Victoria and New South Wales are today. Yep. You know, just places that sort of, you know, have their own unique needs. And maybe they, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe they either elect some sort of government or maybe, honestly, the way I think government will be is you will just be randomly chosen. It'll just be a civic, civil service and you just get randomly mm-hmm. chosen. To serve and the you, government, it's your responsibility to go in for a period of time or whatever, and you got yeah, to serve the people for a few yeah, years, okay. whatever. And you and you you get you get basically a role that either makes sense to you in terms of yeah. like you know your expertise or whatever, or you just kind of you just a random yeah, and and it's just a civil service like like jury duty, you sure. know, you and just is, get pulled into it every now and then. Sure, and is the so, is and you can the, refuse. Uh, you can refuse. Yeah, okay. You can turn it down. Yeah, you can refuse because someone else. Like you, you shouldn't be forced to do what you don't want to do. Someone else will do it. You know, it's fine. Okay, cool. Uh, I'll keep going through a number of questions just to understand what this yeah, might sure. look like. Yeah. So, government is it a small, smallish government compared to what we have today? As in, are people mostly free to go about their lives, or is there a lot of control, regulation, that type of thing? Well, absolutely, you should be. Yeah, you should be fairly free to go about your life. I mean, I always get a bit confused when I talk talk to. Um, or like libertarians, just just generally sort of like mm-hmm. people who are, you know, in the current sort of capitalist mindset, like what small yeah. government means. I mean, is it a government that just doesn't do much or is it a government that doesn't spend much or is it a government that just consists of few people? I mean, like, tell me, what, 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 sure. what, what do you mean by that? Yeah, because I think I'm I'm pretty close to the mainstream of classical liberalism or libertarian thought. Uh, it would mm-hmm. A small government would be basically a government that we used to have back in the day, if you go back 50 years plus, uh, or in America, 100 years. So you've got small taxes, small size of bureaucracies, small amount of regulation. Uh, You have small... So when we say small, it's literally about how much effect does a government have in the lives of the people that are subject to that government. That's all it means. So it's, you know, if there's a scale from complete totalitarianism where the government tells you everything, when you can go out at night and the whole thing, and the other end you call anarchy, where not unlike our own here. Yeah, the other end anarchy where you can do whatever you like, uh, and I, I mean true anarchy, not the 
if you listen to actual anarchists, they're basically hardcore libertarians. Um, they still believe in in safety and you know people think of anarchy as chaos. That's not at all what the political yeah, force of anarchy is. Anyway, so on that scale, a libertarian just wants to go more towards the the freedom, the well, the anarchy side of hey, let me stuff up, let people stuff up, and let it you know let 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 things work out for their own. So that's what small government would be hands out of our lives by by that definition yeah absolutely you would have a very small government i don't i don't understand why they would be necessary i mean i barely see why they're necessary today (laughs) to be quite honest with you yeah i'm with you is there hierarchies in this socialist uh in this communist society in what sense uh hierarchies of people who I don't want to say class because, you know, we're not talking about that. I'm talking about, say, Elon Musk, right? Let's use him again. Mm-hmm. If there was a hierarchy, he would be at the top of most of them, whether it be money, capital, means of production, control, fame, notoriety, uh, intelligence, uh, achievement, hours worked in a day. He, he, he mm-hmm. These hierarchies e- exist. And so he has been rewarded disproportionately in many ways not just in money although that's primary in other ways as well would there be these kind of hierarchies and therefore different results like you've got some people who are richer than others in this communist society some people who are more famous than others some people who have more liquor stores than others would there be that kind of uh what do you call it um, uh, inequality yeah in- inequality of yeah. oh of course Oh, of course there would be inequality. I mean, you know, inequality is is normal. You know, I mean, that's, you know, of course you're going to have inequality. Um, there are certain equalities that you do want to have. Um, and, you know, and they're generally associated with equality of opportunity um, and equality of basically, you know, like be having an even playing field. That is what's important. Um, a quality of outcome. No, you control your own outcome. I mean, that's that's fine. In terms of you know hierarchy, in terms of who's richer, um, I, don't, I don't think I don't think that really makes a lot of sense um, because you know personal property would not be as big a deal. Um, so there is private property or not? Private property. Oh, of course, there's private property. Oh, private. It's all about private property. Um, yeah, pro, there's absolutely private property ownership. That's what it's predicated upon. I mean, you know, the whole idea is capitalism will get to a point where there isn't widespread private property ownership. That's the problem with capitalism. Like, if there was widespread private property ownership, um, that would be fine. Um, the problem is capitalism will get to a point where very few people have private property. The vast majority of people have none. They might have some personal property, but who cares? Um, and that's it. I mean, so yeah, look, generally, and the, the problem is in capitalism, when people, you know, people who aren't rich, especially think of property, they think of personal property, you know, like my, my house, my car, my toothbrush, my swimming pool, mm. the money in my bank, you know, my private jet, whatever. I mean, the, the, that, that stuff, like that's all just personal property. That's just stuff that you use, um, for your own personal stuff. Um, Private property is what's important. So yeah, there's absolutely private property ownership and there's absolutely different amounts of private property ownership because some people want to control more private property than others. Um, Which means that's that, perfectly fine. Okay, so so we will have an, there will be a lot of inequality then in the sense that sure. Dan Murphy's will have a thousand stores and you and me will have two. If that's what they want. I mean, you know, that's that's fine. They might not want that. You know, if there's if there's no, if basically accumulating wealth is something that doesn't really make sense. 
um, then you might not want a thousand stores. Maybe you do. I don't know. I mean, like Elon Musk might, you know, he sounds like a very driven guy. I mean, maybe he'll want to have like, you know, a gigantic thing. I wouldn't. I mean, if you gave me Elon Musk's, you know, company right now, you know, the first thing I would do is just sell it. I mean, like, you know, like I, I don't want that, you know, like I want a much smaller, you know, more humble existence, you know, so, but, you know, I still want to have a successful business. You know, I want to, you know, I, I've got an idea of how big I want to be, um, but it's not like Elon Musk and it's not like Amazon. It's not like Dan Murphy's, you know, even, so, even if I could, I wouldn't want that. So in the communist society, are people like, uh, Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates allowed to accumulate such extreme, extremely different levels of wealth and power and control of the means of production? Is that allowed? Uh, power? Well, no. I mean, you shouldn't. You shouldn't really be accumulating power because what? Like, why would you want to? I mean, if someone tried to, I guess you would probably view them as having some kind of mental defect and you go, hang on, what's, what's wrong? Like, is everything okay? Like, why? It, accumulating power and wealth in a communist society is kind of like you and me accumulating air. It's abundant. It's, you've got as much as you want. You know, you don't, it, it's all good. I mean, but you know, some so basically- people want, But some people want more power than others. This is the point. You don't want as much as- Some people want- but at the moment they do. I mean, eventually, you know, they will they will view it as possibly quite pointless. Like, for example, like like let's stick with the air example for a second. Imagine if like you or I were trying to accumulate air right now, and I was trying to like you know like breathe as much air as I could. You'd think there was something seriously wrong with me. Mm-hmm. You'd go like, nah, there's something, something, something snapped. You know, like something in his mm-hmm. brain is just not working. Okay, he's if I genuinely wanted to do that, not as a joke, like I genuinely wanted to have mm-hmm. all the air. I was like, I mm-hmm. want to have as much air as I can. You'd go, no, nah, this guy, this guy needs psychiatric help. Like there is something deeply wrong with him. Yep. Imagine if you and I, you and I were trying to accumulate food. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, I just want food, like what, mm-hmm. whatever it is, like flour, pasta, whatever. And I like, I like fill this fucking apartment, just you mm-hmm. know, floor to ceiling, with mm-hmm. food. You would go, you are, you are insane. There is something deeply wrong with you. I probably have enough money. To like fill half this apartment with pasta, but like, why would I do that? I mean, that is insane, right? I mean, once upon a time when food was scarce, accumulating food meant made sense, you know. And mm-hmm. if you kind of said to people like, oh, you know, you'll just you won't have to accumulate food; it'll be fine, you know. Like, what well, they'll go, oh, but you know, like I grew all this food. Like, what are you saying that someone else is going to take my food and whatever? It's like, no, calm down. Like, there's just enough food; it's all good. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you don't have to freak out, you know. Like, you know, there, there's we, we've got this, you know. There's enough food. There's enough air. There's enough water, you know. There's enough sort of work to go around, you know, it's all good, you know, like try and try and find your purpose, you know, don't try and, you know, take other people's purpose away from them. You know, that is basically the idea behind that. So, okay. so it'd be like that. Wealth yeah. Through a capitalist, yeah, basically. Yeah. 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 It'd be like, it'd look crazy. It'd look crazy. So yeah, you'd, 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 look, you'd look kind of nuts. You'd be like, why, why do you want this? Like what, what sense does this make? What do you think of, uh, libertarianism and classical liberalism uh anarchism free market radicals all that kind of person all that kind of ideology because what so you know i've had been talking to you for about an hour and Mm. i am it sounded to me like it would be more accurate to label your thoughts along some kind of combination of those lines as opposed to communism because (laughs) everyone else who talks about communism you know this is not you know, not my ideas versus your ideas. This is Karl Marx and Lenin and Trotsky and, and and Stalin and Mao. And even if they all did it wrong, that's a lot of people much bigger than you or I who call that communism. So I'm, I'm perplexed sure. why you don't identify with what 
I am basically? Well, to be honest with you, because I don't really identify with anything. Um, I don't really like to label my views as much of anything. I mean, I label that because I know, and, and like, obviously views should evolve. Um, and the, and the view of what communism is like, if, if Karl Marx were alive today, and if he wanted yeah. to write capital or something again today, he would write a very different book. You know, I mean, one of the things that often gets attributed to communists is like that they're super anti-religion. You know, yeah, Marx was anti-religion because because religion was viewed as like the lever that the church and the state, you know, pulled in order to control people. You know, nowadays he would be anti-television or anti-reality TV or, (laughs) you know, things like that. I mean, like he wouldn't care about religion because religion is just so irrelevant you know, these days, I mean, that basically it's like, who, who cares? I mean, right. you know, it, it's, it's relevant sort of like, I don't know, like for example, in US politics, you have to like tick the box of sure. I am religious in order to run for office, yeah. which is insane. But anyway, I mean, that well, is it makes sense. That if you think about where the US has come from, that very strong pilgrim Christian base, it's embedded in their culture. You have to say you're Christian, basically. Well, I mean, their first amendment is freedom of religion, isn't it? Among other things. Yeah. No, no, free speech. But if you if you look at the constitution, it's it's very religious. So you know, it, it's all about gift about how the creator has endowed you with freedoms that are inalienable. Like it's a very religious country, the U.S. Sure, from sure, its sure. founding. But th- but that's true though. I mean, you know, the the creator, you you do have certain, you know, basic kind of God given rights. They're not given to you by God. They're just you're you're human, you know, and you have certain rights that it makes sense for you to have. Um, whether it's not you know God that gives you this or your state that gives you this, like you just have certain rights, you know, like the right to you know free speech, association, movement, things like that. I mean, these are just rights that you ought to have, um, and they're rights that ought to be protected. Not by the state necessarily, yeah. Hopefully by the state too, but also by your friends and your community and your peers. I mean, so whenever I, for example, hear this ridiculous thing, you know, when people go, oh, you know, like for example, when I rail against, um, you know, censorship, whether whether it is in the media or whether it is in Twitter and whatever, um, and people go, oh, well, you know, they're a private company. The free speech is only, you know, if the state censors you. I'm like, no, free speech is. An- we should all believe in you know like this this has nothing to do with the state you know the state doesn't grant me this right like you should grant me this right you and everyone else and if the state tries to take it away from me you should be up in arms but you know right now and just like if a private company tries to take it away from you you should be up in arms and the state should be up in arms everyone should be up in arms because this is supposed to be a god-given right that we have and it is supposed to be protected and that, that, that is essential. So like, you know, attributing this to religion, it just, I don't know. I mean, no offense. I mean, really makes no sense to me because this is not, this has got nothing to do with religion. This has got to do with what we want to have, you know, and how, and, and the fact that, you know, we want, we want to live a certain way, just like in Australia where people go, well, we don't have freedom of speech in Australia because it's not in our constitution. Okay. Who cares? You know, like, how is that important? You know, like, so what, it's not written in a document. Therefore I don't get to have this right. You know, like maybe I should have this right because, you know, it is, it is a right, you know, because it is, it is a basic human right that I should have. And wherever people do not have it, that is bad. You know, like once upon a time, you know, in, in Nazi Germany, Jews didn't have the right to own property. Well, was that all good? Because, you know, that's what was written in the law. No, that was, that was wrong. So you know, because of, na- of course you right. Yeah. 
Yes. Absolutely. Oh, it just, it really, it really, it really annoys me. You know, when people seem to think that, you know, you're right, you know, comes from the state or, you know, comes, no, you're, you're right. You know, comes from nature. You're right. Comes from principle. And, you know, you and your, your community and everybody should be protecting this right. You know, anyway, that, that was well, my, a bit of a tangent. My <laughs> I mean, but, seeing you at the next libertarian convention, because I tell you what, with these views, with these communist views, you'd be welcome. However, well, I feel my, be here, huh? oh, I, I think that the, the stunning difference is my views would not be welcome at a communist convention, but your views would be welcome and embraced at a libertarian convention. That spins my mind out. Listen, what do you uh, think? Sorry. Do you think that my views would be welcome at, you know, a communist convention? No. My views. I, well, yes, yeah, probably but I've, ne- I've, never, I've never been to one. But am I correct that they probably wouldn't be welcome? Oh, yeah, yeah. You should go. I mean, because... Um, yeah, no, yeah, your, yeah, view, because your, views would, your views would not be welcome at a communist convention. No, no, no. They're not. Because generally, the look, if there is one thing that socialists generally these days, or people who call themselves socialists, um, have in common... Um, it is generally that they're fairly uninformed. Um, that is generally it. And they're kind of uninformed on purpose because like, they basically think that they don't need to understand econo- economics. They don't need to understand a society. They don't need to understand how we got here. They just need to believe that where we are is evil and that it needs to change, essentially. That is, that is where they're at. And if you come at something without understanding and you then want to change it, that is a really tragic thing to do. And that is what, you know, has happened with every one of these, you know, communist countries, you know, like the USSR, like China, like Cuba. That is what's happened every single time. If you understand something, then you will probably understand that the change needs to happen within yourself first. So if these people if these socialists and whatever, and I've said this to many of them, I basically said, like, if you really believe in socialism or communism or Marxism, whatever the fuck you want to call it, um, the first thing you need to do is you need to live by these principles. You basically need to embrace this. And then if you embrace it, maybe you need to help others who want to embrace it, embrace it. And then eventually there will be enough people who have embraced it. It's so stupid to basically try and just forcefully change these things, which is why, you know, like these hardcore socialists and capitalist countries, countries that are the closest to the communism they are heading towards, get like 1% of the vote or some ridiculous thing in every single election because people don't take them seriously because they don't take themselves seriously and because they don't take the world seriously. I mean, you're, you know, that is, that is essentially it. You're killing me here, Mike, because now you're sounding uh, <laughs> like you would be welcome at a classical conservative convention because that's exactly the type of stuff that they would say. Oh man, I'll tell you what, it is. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they're, 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 they're a lot more like pro big business. They don't really see this as a problem. The neocons are, the neoconservatives are, yeah. But that's why I said classical conservatives. Listen, Mike. Uh, Maybe, I don't thank, know. Thank you for talking to me for an hour because I've, I tell you what, I find you fascinating. So <laughs> I appreciate you coming. I enjoy to talk talking about. to you, honestly. No, I do. Um, that went pretty quick. It's like an hour and 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, uh, it kind of did, yeah. Thank you for coming on and talking to us about, I don't know what we just talked about. I'm going to watch it again as I edit it this afternoon. <laughs> I enjoyed myself. So thank you. That's that's what I want to do. I want to have conversations with all sorts of people. So I appreciate you coming out because I, I just want to make 
people aware, you know, there's a reason why we haven't mentioned your business name and is that you are not looking for publicity. Um, you're literally living out your own beliefs that you find this fulfilling and you wanted to help out by having a discussion. So thank you for doing it on air. Yep. No, my pleasure. It was nice talking to you, Matt. And um, yeah.